This is the Church Planning Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Every week we sit down with leaders who are shaping church planning efforts. Here's your host, Josh Taransky and Clint Clifton. All right, welcome to the Church Planting Podcast. My name is Josh Taransky, and I'm joined in studio by Clint Clifton. Clint, hey Josh. great to see you. Hi there. All right, so um, we're going to jump right in to introing this episode, yeah. this conversation that you had with Daniel M. Yeah. Uh, Daniel has a background in working for Lifeway. Yeah. And um, so let's talk about that first. Yeah. Um, you're familiar with Lifeway. Yeah. Um, the, our audience may not be. Uh, yeah. What is Lifeway? So Lifeway, first of all, Daniel M. and Daniel Yang, we mentioned this on the Daniel yeah, yeah. Yang interview that we just had, but they're both Asians. They're both from Canada. They both um, are in church planting. They get confused all the time. Work they with Ed each other. They both worked with Ed Stetzer. <laughs> yeah. So they are, there are two different individuals, though, and they have the same first name. But this is, uh, this is Daniel M. He wrote the book No Silver Bullets. Um, and he's now leaving Lifeway to go pastor uh, a church that he was previously on staff in wow. Canada. And so we talked about that some in the interview. But um, but yes, Lifeway, where Daniel has been working, he's been leading newchurches.com, which is uh, Lifeway's um, you know church planting resource piece. And uh, Daniel is, um, he's a brilliant guy, just very bright, and has been, you know, in, in Canada working in hard soil. Um, so he, he definitely understands the church planning landscape in some of the hardest parts of North America, and, and uh, is a really um, sharp mind, great thinker. So uh, Lifeway, though, um, Lifeway is the research, uh, resource arm of the Southern Baptist Convention. And it's not normally known because Lifeway has had, up until recently, all these retail stores and so right. people know it as like the Christian bookstore, but it's actually um, a part of the Southern Baptist Convention. It's an entity, a subsidiary of the Southern Baptist Convention. It's one of only two of the Southern Baptist Con- Convention subsidiaries that are um, profit producing. So it actually dumps into the uh, cooperative program every year. So missionaries around the world and in the United States benefit from the sales of books and Bibles and other resources uh, to Christians around the country. Hmm. And, uh, but it was originally started as the Baptist Sunday School Board, and the, and the idea was, the purpose was to produce curriculum and materials for um, for Southern Baptist churches. And they're still doing that. And they're right? still doing that, yeah. They, Gospel Project yeah. is maybe uh, something you've heard of that is a Lifeway product, and many, many others, but Gospel Project may be the most notable. Yeah. Um, another thing that comes up in this conversation is the gig economy, yeah. gig culture. This is huge for church planters. Yeah. Interesting. Just, just some statistics for you. 55 million Americans are freelancing right now in our country. It's wow. at an all time high and people are, um, are gigging a lot. There are, uh, you and I were talking just a few minutes ago. There are a lot of ways to do that now that are just offered to us on a platter. I mean, you mentioned a few, like call them out again, Uber, Lyft, y- yeah, Uber yeah. eats, <laughs> yeah, Uber and all the subsidiaries. Uber. I was noticing yeah. even the, um, uh, make office, which is, um, kind of like we work, yeah. um, is owned by Uber and make office is really a place that helps, you know, gig culture thrive. It's like, you don't have to have your own office. You can have an office with a bunch of other creatives or designers or, or, you know, business folks. Um, and I have work. a friend who 
started a co-working space yeah. and planted his church out of his yeah, own co-working yeah, yeah. space. Yeah. It just graduated from the co-working space into a school because they oh, outgrew okay. it. Oh, but wow. that was his side gig. And yeah. Well, I mean, it's his income. Primarily. It's his income. Yeah. 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 I mean, so many. I remember um, just having my mind blown when I was first in church planting by this guy who simultaneously, uh, this is in Stafford, Virginia, simultaneously started a um, mortgage company and a church at the same time. And uh, you would go into the office during the week and you'd have like mortgage brokers on one side of the, the cubicle and a pastor on the other side of the cubicle. Hmm. And they were all working in the same space. Wow. And there's like 15 or 20 people in there. Some of them are on the phone <laughs> trying to sell you a mortgage and some of them are are counseling you because you just defaulted on yours. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it was like, it was wild. And I remember just having my mind blown like, wow, this is a thing, you know, wow. that's really working. And, and actually... Uh, initially the mortgage company did really good, but the church didn't, it grew really slowly. And then as time went on, uh, the church really got traction and the mortgage company struggled in the crises that happened at the end of the two thousands, uh, mm. with the housing market. And so the, it, it was just a beautiful like thing. And, and, but, but this gig economy or gig culture is happening all over the place. Um, interesting t- statistic also the majority of freelancers and this research, um, is, um, from the freelancers union, but the, the majority of freelancers who, uh, left a full-time job made more money within the first year of their, their full-time dedicated focus to their, um, to their gig than they did in their previous job. Wow. And so, uh, it's, it's am- amazing just to think about that, that the freelancers are dumping a trillion dollars into the economy through their freelance earnings uh, mm. right now. So incredible, lots of stuff going on in that, in that realm. Uh, almost everybody I know, you know, has something they, they have some kind of online thing they do. It's Usborne Books. It's, you know, <laughs> I mean, you, you just, yeah. I mean, I, I literally from you today, I bought an item that your wife made yep. and sells on Etsy yeah, and, and you just delivered it to me like and, and when you came here today. Yeah. Um, I hope this doesn't come out before my wife's birthday. <laughs> 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 it's not like she listens to the podcast. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, you get the point. I mean, uh, the, everybody, no matter where you are in the country, everybody's experiencing this. The gig culture is strong. And what we talk about here is it has a profound effect on the church mm. and on church planting in particular, because as, uh, the, our, our, a country gets more expensive, it becomes more and more difficult to um, to finance our ministry, especially in these uh, very expensive, very needed urban areas. So. Yeah, I'll just say really briefly, I've been able to do some side work, and what that's allowed me to do is to be able to, um, as a church planter, pass money off to people around me. Yeah, and so it's allowed me to. It's basically I, I'm able to get workers mm-hmm. in the church because I'm able to employ them. Pay them through to, some other means. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's great. I'm glad you covered this in the interview. Let's let's jump right into your conversation with Daniel Ann. Hey, church planters, your calling is to plant a church, but churches are also a business. Auxilio partners with you to provide one-time and ongoing business services, enabling you to stay focused on mission. Visit Auxilio Partners to learn more about the finances, HR, and legal compliance services offered and schedule a free consultation. That's A-U-X-I-L-I-O dot partners. Mention the Church Planting Podcast to receive a 20% discount. Well, Daniel, thank you for joining me for this conversation today. Yeah, I'm glad to be with you, Clint. 
Well, Daniel, you're a really interesting guy uh, to me. I, I watched you from afar. And um, can you describe kind of what you were doing at Lifeway when you were with Lifeway so that so that we can kind of, if the listeners aren't familiar with you, you can kind of yeah. help understand? Yeah. So for the last five years, uh, I was serving at Lifeway, basically started something called newchurches.com with Ed Stetzer. And we were trying to figure out how Lifeway w- could resource church planting, multi-site and multiplication. That was the, that was the whiteboard dream. And then after that, it was, okay, Daniel, what do you want to do? What can we do? And for me, I love, uh, Jim Collins always talks about what in the world can you be the best at, right? And for Lifeway being a resource provider, it was like, well, Lifeway has a Lifeway research and a, and you know, the only statistically verified and validated church planner assessment, yet Lifeway is not planting churches. Lifeway yeah. is not assessing anyone. They have an assessment, but they're not assessing anyone. They're not funding yeah. anyone. So not wanting to go in that way and neither wanting to go down the seminary route, I was just, okay, how do we create resources? So that's where I was like, well, you know, when you think about what Lifeway can, can do, Lifeway can be, is one of the world's most premier resource providers and Lifeway can publish and they can create resources and articles and courses and yeah. just and, and trying to do it broadly. So that's why when we started newchurches.com, it wasn't Lifeway New Churches, it was New Churches. Yeah. Uh, and what ended up happening over the last five years was just the uh, just just being able to broadly resource across denomination and network, the active okay. church planting, resources around church planting, multi-set of multiplication. When you think about church planting, what what's happening, at least in our lifetime and right now in the evangelical world, is there's a lot of growth happening in church planting. So if you think about it like an industry, please don't send me emails. I know it's not an industry. I know this is not business. But if you think about it like an industry, um, it's a very growing industry. It's an industry that has a bunch of infrastructure uh, scaffolding kind of being built all around it now. It's an enterprise, so to speak, and there's there's everything from you know funding mechanisms to to all sorts of uh, written resources and online resources and and all these organizations that that exist to support church planters specifically. And and even now there are organizations that exist to support sending churches specifically. Mm-hmm. And so all of that is coming online in the last 10 or 15 years and some interesting things are happening where we're getting vernacular settled like everybody we have language and we know what it means and it's like industry language uh, when other people hear it they don't know what we're talking about and we know what we're talking about it's so insider language but there's also um so there's some areas that have like solidified i feel like especially especially in the last 5 years or so there's some areas that have like really settled like that's the industry standard so to speak where mm-hmm. where 5 years ago you couldn't have said there's an industry standard for assessment for yeah. or, for example um so but now but i wonder you i can't see what you can see because you're working with a bunch of different groups and denominations at 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 lifeway what are those kind of gaps that aren't solidified yet or maybe still need to need to have focus put on them and so i just i just wonder what comes to your mind initially when we ask that question like what what's still in development anything come to mind yeah so let's let's maybe talk about the two size spectrums of church mm-hmm. plants right okay. so we have the house church that has been going, I mean, it's been going for a long time, right? Long time. But if you look at kind of our lifetime, right? You think 
90s, 2000s, Wolfgang Simpson, you look at that whole house church network movement that was Mm -hmm. going, 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 didn't really go to where or have the, I think, broad impact that people hoped for. And and Francis Chan right now, what he's doing in San Francisco is is Mm -hmm. that, right? It's house church that he's doing from apartment to apartment. So there's definitely that current that's continuing to go. And I know there are a lot of people who are like, oh, what do you think about Letters to the Church, right? Francis's new book and and going along that way. And I'm like, man, I love the vision of the church that he's written about and I love what he's doing, but it's still, it's not, there's no church planting movements in North America or in the West, right? right? That's not yet fully proven. And um, yeah, so I hope it is. I hope it does grow to that. But there, so there's that undercurrent. And then there's that other current the the complete other side where that is obsessed with and and really was a outgrowth of of the church growth movement church health movement breaking barriers just this whole idea of launch large Mm -hmm. right and i feel like when you use the word industry i feel like the industry quote unquote around the launch large methodology is very mature and it's well developed that's true and if you and there are several organizations that if you go with them that is what they do and they will help you fund you i mean you're gonna have to fund at least four five hundred thousand dollars if not more Mm -hmm. you're gonna launch with over 200 people and the methodology is really well documented there's a lot of dissertations on it as well on the the larger your launch team the larger your church is going to be several years later so that's that's really good too the issue though is when you try to do that sort of methodology in a metropolitan city, in a big city, like a New York, right? Like right. a New York city, unless you're Hillsong, yeah. right? It's it's going to be really hard to do a launch large 400-person event because you're not going to find a venue for 400 right. people on a Sunday morning unless yeah. you have a ton of money. And then right. are you even a church blend, right? So there's there's obviously that. And then you look at where these organizations and these denominations and networks are succeeding at launch large and where they're not succeeding. I think mm-hmm. that's interesting to note. So in terms of a black hole, what sort of church planting methodologies work in New England? Right. What sort of church planning methodologies work in Tacoma, Washington, right, mm-hmm. or up in Maine, or or right there in Salt Lake City, or in Edmonton, Alberta, right, or yeah. in Vancouver or Montreal? So I think that's the thing where a lot of people are trying to use these mature methodologies in larger cities like that. Yeah, and it's not necessarily proving as effective as if it were done in the South or yeah. in Texas or in larger areas like that. Yeah, that's a great point. So, I mean, I'm thinking of the 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 person who would contest that idea that a methodology or a a model, so to speak, would be um, better in you know a, a suburban area or a rural area than it would be in an urban area. I mean, I I hear you say that, and I'm like, of course, that's obvious. It's it's clear. Mm-hmm. Um, just observationally, it's clear. Um, but I think you know. I think most of the proponents of a model, there are some people out there in church planting that are that are really like pro mini models, but not yeah. most people. Most people are really attached to a, an, an approach or a model. Yeah. I mean, most of them would sort of push back on the idea that their model wouldn't work in any context. So any any way you could like substantiate that or how is that substantiated in your mind? Yeah, so... Part of it is you look at who are you... Okay, so let's kind of reverse engineer a large launch 
where a large launch would work very well with okay. an unknown pastor. Okay? okay, so I'm not talking about celebrity pastor yeah. who is famous already or yeah. other career and does that thing, right? So that's that's a very that's an anomaly. Uh-huh. So let's say you are a unknown i hate using that word but <laughs> i think we all understand what that means yeah right? you're not a famous you're not an instagram famous person and <laughs> you plant a church because god has called you to plant a church and you are planting a church in a wealthy suburban neighborhood yeah okay versus you're planting a church in a not yet gentrified urban area yeah. That is very low income and subsidized housing. Right. Okay. Let's say in both situations, you can get 200 people. Let's, let's just say, let's just say you can get 200 people. I don't know how, but let's just say you are able to gather 200 people who are com- going to come to your launch, uh, your, one of your launch services, one of your preview services. Okay. How in the world are you going to pay back and fund everything in both scenarios? In one, if you're in a wealthy neighborhood, yeah, that's one thing. But in the other, when the average income is $20,000 for a household, yeah. how do you expect to continue to run a full-programmed, three full-time staff mm-hmm. church? Yes, you're fully funded for the first three years, but how do you expect to continue to do that unless you're fully relying on outside funding? Right. 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 And a lot of the launch large methodologies are are completely reliant on a three-year fully funded large staff launch, which is really good if you're in the right neighborhood and you're doing that, but it's not necessarily sustainable because in the research that we did with new churches and Lifeway Research, man, if you don't get to self-sustainability in the first three to four years, it's highly unlikely that you'll get there Right. based on the sampling of who we surveyed. Yeah. Right. Now, here's a thing that's interesting to, to observe, or I think something that I, I'd love for people to just keep their fingerprint on and mm-hmm. to, to see. I mean, and if you come up with examples, please reach out, social media, email, whatever, to, to let me know who is doing this well. But I have yet to meet a church or find a church who is knocking it out of the park simultaneously in church planting and in mercy ministries. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not just talking about churches that are doing both. It's fine to do both. A lot of churches are doing both. But churches that are like, man, they are multiplying like every year, every two to three years. Yeah. Right. They are. They're not just writing a check. They are sending people out. They're training planters. They're going out. But they are also they have a thriving ministry to the city, Mm -hmm. uh, urban ministry, uh, uh, you know, a city to the the least of these. And they're really ministering. I, I don't I don't know. I mean, do you know Clint? No, I don't actually. I mean, it's I, I, and it, it feels like the reason that doesn't exist right now, at least from my vantage point, and again, my perspective is smaller than yours because of who I, who I primarily work with. But the reason that's not true is because the the evangelical world, at least the tribe that I run in, they they are so suspect of this the becoming social, becoming yes. so social, they lose the gospel. Yes, and so it's it's a very you know, it's almost as if when you're in a room full of the folks I usually run with in the in the evangelical you know world, and the, somebody gets up and starts talking about social stuff, 
it's almost like the air gets sucked out of the room and everybody becomes tense and like, okay, this mm. is going in a direction I don't feel good about. Like this, this smells fishy, you know? And so there's, there's not, and I, so I, I can't think of an example. And I think if there was somebody that was crushing it on a social front, uh, that we, that most, uh, evangelicals, at least on my side of the aisle would, would be suspect of what they were doing on the gospel front or on the multiplication front. So, yeah, it's an interesting thing to that I want to keep on observing because it's God. <laughs> Jesus calls us to do both. He does right? for sure, and everybody <laughs> agrees about that. Yeah, it's yeah. Just, it, that's what I mean. It seems like an industry black hole in, in terms of like nobody has figured it out yet. And there's not like this. I mean, you think about like if you think about like things of the past, this makes sense. Like you think, okay, okay, the attractional thing. Okay, all right, that we our mind goes to willow creek it goes to you know like if we're thinking 90s era growth stuff it goes to saddleback like we have a thing to think of yes and 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 there's several things now that i look out and i go we all kind of feel it's right Mm. but i don't have a big thing i can think of and go oh that's it even in even for in chan stuff you know i mean with the letters to the church stuff i think everybody uh, like i can't think of a better book launch you know, than he did with that though. Everybody was so spun up about that so fast. I felt like even people that have been like long time in the church planning world, were all like, man, this is amazing. This is great. But I was just, you know, from my vantage point, I was thinking like, but show me the church, like where's the church that we all go to and go, they're crushing it. And if you look under the, I mean, hopefully it becomes the church that Francis is leading, but, um, yeah I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we're all kind of waiting to see, you know. Yeah, you're right. But. You're right. I think I, you know, Clint, I love what you've done at Pillar Church, and I mean, we Ed and I even wrote wrote about you and and the mm-hmm. work that you'd done in planting missional churches, and mm-hmm. um, I mean, I've talked about you and the work that you did at Pillar tons of times with others because I think that's just such a that's such an amazing picture of a kingdom mindset for you guys to reach the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. Right. And for you to reach that them where they're at, where you guys were at and, and you to, to discern what was happening as the Marines continue to come to your church. But you to then flip that out into a church planting strategy. So in terms of another black hole, I would say, OK, hey, instead of everyone trying to reach everyone, who is God called you to uniquely reach in your city? Yeah. Uh, yesterday, yeah, yesterday I uh, interviewed Noel Hakenen. So he's at Riverview and he's an Acts 29 guy, Lansing, mm-hmm. Michigan. And, and they do multi-site and they do church planning. And, and man, how he put it yesterday in the interview was so clear. Well, at the time of this recording, right? Uh, what he said was, when it comes to multi-site, they'll only do multi-site when in Lansing when people can actually say, hey, this is Lansing. I am from Lansing and where he can actually address and prophetically address Lansing, right? His area. The moment he goes beyond Lansing, even within Michigan to like Ann Arbor or Grand Rapids or this, that he can't address Lansing anymore. He can't address because people in Grand Rapids will not say they're from Lansing unless they're from Lansing. And he said, the moment it goes beyond that, that's when they're planting. That's where they're yeah. planting. And I love that tension between that local, local, that local and that broader approach toward multiplication. So that's mm-hmm. another one of those, those black holes that I see. And I actually think now we have the Praetorian Project is actually um, 
expanded to begin working at army bases as well and, and we're looking <laughs> that's at, incredible we're and looking toward, yeah yeah it's been fun but looking toward navy and stuff like that but um i don't i think that it would not have gotten traction especially at my experience level and kind of where i was at the time of getting it started had we had we broadened out just one more concentric oh, circle okay. i think the fact that we were aiming at such a a, a specialized group yeah helped us be better at what we were doing and yeah. it helped us communicate what we were doing in a more powerful way yeah okay. um, and, I, and i i don't know if it's a youth thing or what uh, what but when i uh, i remember having angst feeling like we're limiting ourselves by doing this you know and and actually now the older i get the more i feel like limiting limits are so good limits help yeah. us focus like they're just they're really what we need to to really able to do something good yeah 100 uh, percent yep yeah Okay, so um, talking specifically about um, the area of church planting that is uh, uh, what seems to be kind of growing to me is this, like we talked about this a little bit earlier in a previous conversation today about like team church planting mm, yeah. um, uh, instead of just, you know, through the 90s and early 2000s, it was just kind of like the church, everything was about the church planter. And even in the Acts 29 kind of ramp up when Acts 29 is really, you know, hot and heavy, that it was all about the, the planter. SBC yeah. has definitely been all about the planter. And it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like if we have this thing, then, then that's what we need. So it seems like people are accepting the team thing a little bit more, but there doesn't mm. seem to be any literature produced for them or a way to talk about it that's the common way. Like, yeah. we don't even know who to call that group of people right now, right? The, the team. All we know is to say the team. The team. Uh, yeah. Okay, you know what's interesting about this? I, I feel like we can talk about it from a, a few different perspectives. You obviously can reverse engineer larger churches that have teams and that are doing team leadership and what that looks like. And, and I think there's validity and there's a lot we can learn from that. The only issue is that's not very helpful to a church plant that doesn't have the budget to have a big team like that. So when you think about it from that perspective, you have these churches like Austin Stone, like Village, like Summit. You have a few of these, Village and Summit, both established churches that move toward more multiplication. They're very both team structured. Austin Stone that was planted, Matt Carter, but has but within their first couple of years actually moved very much toward a team model. Riverview Church with uh, Noel Haken, and he's been doing it a long time and has a really neat model around team ministry. Uh, he didn't plant the church. Uh, but he has been there for 28 years and leads it toward a, a team model. So there's a lot of these examples in larger churches that have larger budgets and are mega that are doing team. In terms of a church plant, right? Yeah. Uh, I have friends out in LA who co-planted, right? They were fully funded in LA, well-funded because it's LA, co-planted. Mm -hmm. And recently one of them stepped off, not because of anything their relationship or just because it wasn't working there are other reasons uh so now there is a solo lead planter yeah. pastor that they're now going to hire someone else to now all that to say david fitch is probably the one that i would encourage people to look up when it comes to bible and when it comes to team model of ministry mm. he's at a christian and mission alliance church i believe it's in the um somewhere i think it's in chicago or I, I forget specifically where he's at but 
But what he's done is he's actually been a part of a team ministry, mm-hmm. a team leadership ministry that they are sustaining and they are doing it bivocationally. But the reason they've been so, so successful in terms of, in ter- you know, metrics wise, in terms of health and long-term ministry is because he has a lot of people that are all bivocational. Yeah. Right. So it's not just one person that's bivocational and their helpers, but these are everyone, all these people who are giving a lot of time and energy mm-hmm. bivocationally into this work. Yeah. Yeah. Hugh yeah. Halter as well, right. In his book, Bivo. Right. Yeah. That, that's the, that's the kind of thing that I think we need like 30 examples or 50 <laughs> yeah. examples for it to start to be like, okay, this is a thing that's yes. really, really happening out there because I, I actually know, know what's happening. I can think of some examples. Um, it's not like definitely standardized yet, but it's the most hopeful thing in church planting to me because one of the things that's been really exceptional about our work at Pillar that's unusual when I when I compare it to other church planning work is that regular everyday Christians are those Marines that are moving from base to base. They inevitably get to be a part of those teams, not because they signed up for it or because they're even that spiritually mature, but because they're a part of our church and they get orders to another one of our churches. I mean, yeah. Uncle Sam tells them <laughs> to go there, so they can't really say no. And then they go there and of course they're going to not look for a different church in the community or whatever. They're going to go yeah. right to that. So it, it's, it has, our work has inevitably involved the everyday Christian who's just involved in the, in the church. But if you don't have a mechanism built into the life of your movement like that, um, it's gotta be, you know, more defined. And so anyway, I'm just, I'm just excited about that area because I feel like it is bubbling under the surface. And I think when we get to the place where we have a bunch of examples and everybody validates it as a real thing, then I think we're going to have groups of friends getting together and saying, let's go start a church. I mean, rather than just two seminary buddies or something like that, you know? Yeah. And the unique thing about what, what the Praetorian project and what you've done at pillar is you didn't, I mean the, the money question, yeah. The money question was solved. Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah. So that, when it comes to team ministry, if we want to see well-trained, right, and several friends who are well-trained, theologically grounded, have experience, they're not just 21-year-olds who don't want to go to seminary and they don't want to serve in an established church, so they go plant a church. You know, when you have well-qualified, trained individuals who are saying, hey, let's go together. Mm-hmm. And let's go plant a church as a team. The yeah. thing that we need to solve is, okay, five, 10 years ago, did you get an education that was employable outside of the church? Yes. Right. And I think if that is solved, if that is solved, and I think in the next five, 10 years, anyone who's receiving a call to ministry, they understand that, okay, okay, is this degree the one that's going to help or do I need to get another one first? If that is solved, I think we're going to see more of that. The other yeah. thing, though, Clint, um, so I have a book coming out. My next book's coming out in February, and it's called You Are What You Do and mm-hmm. Six Other Lies About Work, Life, and Love. Now, yeah. the reason I'm bringing this up is the seven lies that I talk about in the book are ba- have basically risen, risen to the surface because of the gig economy, because of mm. the, the prevalence of the side hustle. So yeah. if you think about America, right, just for example, how, like, Amazon Prime. Just think of America and Amazon Prime. Like, who doesn't yeah. have Amazon Prime? You know? It's just like, it's really hard to... You just assume 
everyone has Amazon Prime. And the reason is because right. half of America has Amazon Prime and the other half's right. probably using their mom's Somebody else's, Amazon right. Prime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But half of America has Amazon Prime. So now think about that. If half of America, right, 50% of America has this and we think everyone has it, the gig economy, people having a side hustle, doing multiple jobs, that's almost at 40% of America. Yeah. Right. So yeah. if that's the case and if that's how normal it's become, Right. I mean, I just I basically talk about these seven lies that have risen to the surface because of that. But mm. prevalent, you know, relevant to our conversation is I actually think that because of the rising side hustle in the gig economy, we are probably closer to a team model of planting than we might realize. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I didn't know all that about the gig economy that you just said. I mean, but I definitely have seen the rise of um of the side hustle for sure. And even in, you know, in my church and in the church planning uh, world, uh, even in mi the military, I mean, we're working with Marines who you think of as more full-time than a Marine. Right. Yeah. I mean, but, but th these guys are side hustling as well. You yeah. know, I mean, it's just normal. It's, it's normal. It's totally <laughs> normal. And it does, it does play a lot into, especially in the age bracket that a lot of the guys in our church are in, they're in that, like, uh, age bracket where they're they're maybe good enough at their side hustle that they're making substantial money at it, but they're not so good that it matches what they're making in their other job and their yes. real job. So they're on the fence of like, oh, they're maxed out. First of all, they're maxed mm. out, but they're on the fence of oh, should I should I just take the plunge and do this full time? And they're scared to death to to do that, you know, because of all kinds of reasons. So yeah, and honestly, Clint, this is, I would love to see this right. And maybe some of your listeners are gonna maybe God is already stirring in their hearts to do team model of ministry, right? And and maybe this will spark something. But I would honestly, whether you have a, a, a you know a trade ticket or an employable skill or not, or maybe you just have a a seminary degree or a Bible college degree, right? And you are moving forward and you feel called to plant. If you got if you and three or four other friends, let's say all of you are theologically trained and, and feel called to plant, right? If you and three other friends, let's say four, just to make it a good, good number, four of you want to go plant a church right. and you can find someone who can fund one full-time position, then what I'd encourage you all to do is every one of you Uber 20 hours a week. Mm -hmm. Uber 20 hours a week and each of you take 25% of that 100% salary Yeah, and go and do it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you're totally right. And there are churches. It's funny because at NAM specifically, there are churches. Try, and NAM's on the cutting edge of church planning. Oh right? yeah, if, there, if yeah. there is a cutting edge in church planning, right? <laughs> uh, so NAM's NAM's as advanced as anybody. Uh, but when you, we've got guys coming to our assessment saying, describing what you just described, and okay. saying, "Hey, this is how we're planting our church," and NAM NAM's like, you know, like springs pop out of our ears we don't know yeah. how to compute that like what do we what do we do with that we don't know where's this guy fit and it's like we have these very we built these systems around the the singular church planter and for years they've been talking about specifically an assessment at nam they've been talking about okay can we assess teams or can we assess pastoral pairs or, or pastoral partners um and then in ultimately like philosophically we're like yes 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 we can but then uh, practically speaking the system isn't built for it so it's all clumpy and and doesn't work right you know so um so yeah man what you're saying is so uh so true and if there's anything that i feel like is the way things are going 
It is, uh, I mean, it start. you see little glimmers of it, even in the large church. It's like the teaching teams becoming more yes. prevalent. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the congregations are becoming more uh, accustomed to a rotating teaching team. Um, I think the, you know, every time a pastor falls to a moral failure and a church collapses or some kind of other failure in a church collapses, everybody goes, Ooh, we better not have one guy in charge. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's yeah. bad, you know? And so all that stuff is contributing to uh, what I hope is God at work to make church plantal church planting a normal part of the Christian life in, yeah. in, in our, in our nation. So, yeah, that's that, that idea of a superman church planter or superman pastor i mean that's just that's all hubris right that's all just getting to your head and it's and part of it is the american obsession with celebrities yeah that has seeped into the church which eugene peterson anything he writes i mean the guy is antithetical you know he is so anti that yeah and because it's like, well, what does it look like to be present? What does it look like to not be disembodied, but embodied yeah. where you're at? So, yeah, I'm I'm really encouraged by how that's going. I mean, even just practically speaking, my years in Nashville, I was a teaching pastor at my church. There's no senior pastor at our church. Yeah, We had campus pastors who led locally their staff. We had a few of us who were teaching pastors who would teach at both campuses, but mm. there was no single point of of leadership. Now, Having been in it and having had worked in it for about four years, it's great. It's yeah. really, really great. The downside is it's slow. Yeah. <laughs> right? For so sure. I worked with the elders for a year to develop this set of core values for our church. A year. Mm. Right? It took a year. Mm. For most other churches, it would have taken two, three, four months at a max. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But it I took th- a, yeah. I think you're you're like really onto something. The more the harder the higher you put the authority, like as the pyramid goes up and comes to a peak, the higher you put the authority, the more unstable it, yeah. oh, for sure. it is. You know, and so so when you push that authority down, it's kind of balanced out or, or leveled out over a group of people. It, the the churches are more likely to be like kind of rooted, but they're also not very agile. And um, <laughs> yeah. it, it's it's interesting. I planted pillar, uh, and we have very much a team approach. We've always shared the pulpit with a bunch of a bunch of different guys, even from the very beginning of the church. We have a big eldership and um, and a deep bench of leaders, basically always doing leadership development. And that's really good. It's created a really healthy culture at the church. You know, one leader doing something stupid or screwing up is not going to not gonna really significantly mess it up. But on the other hand, I, I went about five years ago, I went and started working with McLean Bible. And those guys are so agile for such mm-hmm. a big church. It's amazing that's because cool. all the decision-making is is in one room essentially like okay. i mean you they can get they can get together uh, in the afternoon and decide they're going to do something that's implemented tomorrow morning yeah and uh to me that sounds scary and like because i've been in this environment where you know i get indigestion sometimes and have an idea and i want to implement it and so i just i don't trust my own decision making on stuff until it's like borne out with the other leaders in our church but yeah Anyway, we got off track a little bit, but I think I think the point is that that's an area that's that's in development, and I mm. see I feel like it's growing a lot and developing a lot. Yeah, no, I'm excited about what's going to come. Yeah, me too. Well, Daniel, it's been really kind of you to spend so much time with us. I know you're uh, I know you're ramping up for big things in your life right now, so just thank you so much for uh, for hanging out with me for for a little bit today. Yeah, it's honestly, I love I love you, the work you're doing, the kingdom work you're doing. So I'm just grateful to to be able to have this time to chat.
Well, thank you, Daniel. All right. Blessings on your new endeavor, man. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Church Planning Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review of your favorite podcast app. Today's episode of the Church Planting Podcast is sponsored by New City Network, the church planting ministry of McLean Bible. A special thanks to today's guest, Daniel M., for taking time to join us. Josh Taransky produced the show. Zuki Bastian was our showrunner, and her husband, Nick, was our editor. Thanks to Hudson Taransky and Marvin Moore, who provided administrative and web support for the program. And last but not least, thank you for listening all the way through to the very end of the Church Planting Podcast. Hey, if you'd like more information about the show, feel free to visit our brand new website, www.churchplantingpodcast.org. There you can find all of our past episodes as well as notes and links from today's show. Be sure to tune in to next week's podcast. We will be talking with Kevin Smith, who's the president of the BCMD. Thank you.